having a cautious approach makes sense, right? You don't want to lead with the chin and go into retirement kind of blind, dumb, and happy and just say, woohoo, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do it. And you, know, you don't have run a through the brick wall. Right? I don't have a plan in place. And fingers crossed, baby. Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Welcome to another edition of Retire Smarter. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Kevin Krosky, President and Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio and Southwest Florida. Check us out online by going to truewealthdesign.com. Kevin, what's going on in your world? Walter, we are we're getting ready for school, uh, whatever that means, I guess, in this <laughs> COVID era that we're in. What does that look like, at least today, for you guys? I'm sure it could change tomorrow, but in terms of right now. So in my household, uh, my wife, uh, she worked for American Greetings for, for about a decade uh, before we had children. And uh, she was a writer and editor there. And once we had our daughter, Aubrey, she uh, became a full-time mom. But before she was at American Greetings, she was a school teacher. So she did that for a few years, you know, similar to me, how I used to be a physics high school teacher. So we both have that uh, common background. But my wife is just, you know, she's mama bear, right? So she's being on the cautious side. And she's like, look, you know, we can have first grade around our, our dining room table. And uh, we can just kind of wait and see how this goes rather than subject our daughter to an experiment. So we're we're fortunate that, you know, she's here and can facilitate that. And there's, you know, a few different options, whether people are going to go back full time in the district that we're in or whether it's going to be more of a uh, kind of an online uh, version or what we are opting for currently is it's going to be the guided online. So there's going to be a teacher that is teaching the class and my daughter's just going to be participating from home at our dining room table. And we have another family in the neighborhood that we're very friendly with and comfortable with and just kind of how they, I guess, are handling themselves in their personal space and hand washing and mask wearing and all that good stuff. And uh, they also have a first grader. And uh, so uh, we're going to kind of team up. So it's going to be Casa de Krosky, first grade classroom around the dining table. It's, <laughs> at least that's what the, it's looking like. Nice. That's awesome. It's a, it kind of feels like we're having a return of the old, you know, single town schoolhouse feel where it's like one teacher, every grade, every subject, you know, just going to kind of like guide a couple of kids through. I know a couple of neighborhoods where we are who are banding together to do that kind of thing. Um, they're, they're hiring a teacher split between X amount of families and then finding ways to just basically get that one-on-one -on -one attention for their kids. And uh, I, I kind of love the innovation. Everybody trying to, I mean, obviously this whole thing is sucks for lack of a better term like <laughs> right. no one's having any fun with all of this but you know if we're looking for silver linings which i always try to do we're going to see some innovation in many different ways come out of this not everything we try is going to work and be good but who knows what other methods of learning and teaching and all that kind of stuff that we're going to discover and that doesn't take into account any of the other crazy you know decisions and ideas we might come up with in other industries no for sure and there's a lot of bad news and a lot of good news as well you know there we are creative people you know capitalism is called a, a process of creative destruction and you know there's certainly some pain and that's why we have safety nets in place in our country and in other developed countries around the world but you know i've recently heard several uh, good and innovative stories where people are taking kind of the the hand that's been dealt with them and um, turned uh, lemons into lemonade somewhere else you know kind of shifting into different business segments or 
you know, some uh, certainly there's all kinds of uh, needs and demands that have popped up in uh, just terms of you know, obviously the technology, which we've talked about, but also in just terms of like cleanliness. And um, I was talking yesterday with somebody that is manufacturing uh, certain types of gowns for hospitals. Uh, you know, certainly everybody's heard about China and producing a lot of this stuff. Well, he had the bright idea like, well, where's China get the source materials for this and uh, he narrowed it down to seven other countries and lo and behold he's got a pretty robust manufacturing business of gowns that he's shipping to many hospitals throughout the country now so the news leads with a lot of bad news but there is some good news there and, and ultimately we need to have certain safety nets in place to help people go through the creative destruction process that capitalism ultimately does and unfortunately the pandemic is dealing big blows of right now. So, you know, it's not all bad news that are that's out there. You know, we all have to be smart in our in our planning. Certainly people that it's almost a bit of a socioeconomic problem or more of a almost more of a social problem to some regard because some of the portions of the population, I mean, a lot of the service industry jobs that are disproportionately effective tend to be lower paid jobs and um you know, as everybody's aware, just with what's happening over the last several years and with some of the political climates here and in the UK, I mean, it's almost like you have this kind of class warfare going on to certain degrees and really politicizing beliefs. And this is probably going to exacerbate that to a certain degree, at least for a while. So hopefully we have some good leadership in this country. And, and even if we don't have it at the country level, I mean, there's certain things that we can do individually and just go ahead and, and be active in our communities. There's certainly good organizations, good community foundations that we have in Northeast Ohio that personally my wife and I have uh, donated to and increased our donations to just because people do need more help and there's people there to help. So whatever we can do, I think uh, if we can all take a vested interest, look a little bit outside of ourselves, look to our neighborhoods, look to some of those that are less fortunate uh, in our communities or in our surrounding communities. And, you know, hey, that's what we can do. We can pull together and get through it. Taking individual responsibility to improve your neighborhood and surrounding community, Kevin. Get that nonsense out of here. That makes way too much sense. Yeah, <laughs> much better just to go ahead and do political posturing and not get anything done, right? That's right. That's right. Just get on Twitter and, and spout your opinions. You know, we don't need any of this common sense talk right. here. No, you're you're exactly right. And you know, kind of making lemons out of lemonade and thinking about the impacts of COVID, of course. Uh, we talked over the last couple of months of how it impacts finances, um, how it impacts somebody's, you know, planning for retirement. And I've seen a couple of articles, one in particular that uh, you happen to find as well, Kevin, when we were talking about uh, the show content for today. This particular one was on money.com. That's starting to talk about the impact. We're starting to see it now of especially baby boomers, of course, saying that they're going to postpone retirement due to the pandemic. In fact, this one article points out that it's about one in four baby boomers saying that they're going to postpone their retirement date. About 24% of those 56 and older say the pandemic has caused them to push back their planned retirement date. And this was all conducted by the Harris Poll on behalf of the Nationwide Retirement Institute for uh, full disclosure. And we can link to the article in the uh, show notes of today's program if you want to check it out. But what's your kind of initial reaction to that stat? And uh, is this something that you've had conversations with your your clients or folks that are coming to you for help over the last couple of months? Are you seeing some ground truth to this? Absolutely. Uh, so one, if we harken back to the last financial crisis, you know, you know, a little bit more than a decade ago, 
you saw the same sort of phenomenon where people were just decided like, hey, you know, <laughs> my 401k is now uh, <laughs> basically half of the 401. It's a 200k. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and, and keep working because of that. And uh, you definitely saw that for sure. This isn't necessarily surprising, as we've talked about with kind of the uh, downturn in February and March, and at least in the stock market, the the looking through the economic downturn and how the market tends to lead the economy uh, and the somewhat surprising and the rapidity of the bounce back has best just been phenomenal this year. But certainly it's a, a, a cautious, having a cautious approach makes sense, right? You don't want to lead with the chin and go into retirement kind of blind, dumb and happy and just say, woohoo, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And you know, you don't run have a run through the brick wall. Right? I don't have a plan in place and fingers crossed, baby, not a good way to go about uh, and plan. If you back up for a moment, you think about some of the key, I guess the key variables, you know, that go into a plan and I'll just kind of focus on, you know, the baby boomers that are pretty close to retirement. You can work longer uh, for sure. You can save more, but you know, you think about it. I mean, if you got a nice round number, maybe a million bucks that you saved over these years and you save an extra 20,000, you know, it's, that's not going to be all that much, you know, it's 2% more. So that is not uh, compared to maybe working another year, maybe making another hundred thousand dollars versus saving 20,000. The working longer has a much, much bigger uh, leverage effect than just trying to save a little bit more. You could go ahead and try to seek higher returns with your investments. The only way that you can do that is to accept more risk, which is by definition risky. You could spend less. You know, maybe you could downsize a home. Maybe if you just really want to go ahead and retire and, you know, maybe there's areas where you can cut back or uh, somewhat relatedly, but a little bit more skewed to the negative. You could just plan on dying younger as well, I suppose. And, uh, you know, it's half have your money last not as long, uh, but that's not necessarily a good plan. Though that is something that is commonly expressed when we talk about long-term care. Well, you know, somebody will just say, sort of tongue-in-cheek, "Well, you know, I'll just go outside and shoot myself," and I don't think that's a good plan either. But um, working longer is by far the thing that you could do that could most impact the success of your plan. And I think uh, you know most people at least should have a bit of caution in the uncertain environment that we're in and just think about that say hey you know i can just keep working assuming that you can assuming that you haven't had job loss or something like that but you may not need to either again it still comes back to the planning process and we'll talk about that here in a little bit more in a moment but i had a meeting oh about a week or 10 days ago now super nice couple actually uh, shared that they've been listening to the podcast for I think about seven months and uh, they just were about 30 minutes away from us uh, where we're at in Southwest Florida reached out to us and uh, we got together just absolutely phenomenal people had a really great retirement vision things that you know that he wanted to do things that she wanted to do things that they wanted to do together they were really wonderful in terms of visualizing what they wanted retirement to be. And I could tell, you know, you, you do this long enough and um, you do enough financial plans, you kind of become unconsciously competent in a way. And a lot of times in a meeting like that initially, you can tell if somebody is ready to retire financially speaking. And by and large, they were. Their needs were provided for. We had some good spending data that they had provided in advance of the meeting. We have to do some kind of confirmation of that just for, for you know, kind of make sure that we have good data there. But it seems to be seems to be good. You know, we have, you know, some car purchases. They just did, you know, a big move, put a pole in the house, got a lot of these big kind of one-time expenses out of the way. 
And so we, we really kind of narrowed down to what are the core expenses that they have. And, and then we talked about, well, what else are you going to do in retirement? And on their goal worksheet, they had RVing. And, uh, you know, that's a common thing that people want to do. That's particularly common this year in COVID since, you know, a lot of travel destinations aren't really, you're not getting on a plane and flying somewhere. At least a lot of people aren't. I will generally ask them, you know, hey, you know, have you done it before? You know, just making sure that it is something that they want to do. You know, having an idea is one thing and having a goal, something that you're really certain that you want to do is something else. So, you know, we've talked in past episodes about, you know, hey, if you're thinking about being a snowbird, maybe you should just kind of rent for a while before you actually go ahead and make a big financial commitment. Same too goes for the RV, in my opinion. I mean, you can rent these things. You can give it a shot, rent it for a week or for a month. Yes, it is expensive to do it on a nightly basis, but it could be really cheap in the long run if you find that you don't like it. You, you don't want to go out and buy the uh, 20-footer and then say, wow, we really should have bought the 28-footer. We need that extra space. <laughs> or whatever it is. Or, yeah. you know, hey, um, you know, I was driving this thing and it's a lot of work and, you know, I got this one tank and then I got this other tank and then the toilet overflowed and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking from somewhat uh, of experience here, and uh, for me personally, I have it. I didn't. I didn't really enjoy it. It was. It felt like work to me. Now I'm a rookie, but you know, we'll see. This is why you went in the direction of boating instead, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and I haven't sank that yet. So so far so good. But so Mark and Linda were just kind of going through this, and uh, it was very clear to me that they could afford to retire. But when I asked them, kind of what their questions or concerns were. The first one that they said was, you know, hey, just kind of timing retirement. And, you know, after all, we are in a pandemic right now and there's no vaccine just yet, even though there's positive developments for many vaccines. And there's this uncertainty. And, you know, should we just keep working? Uh, so, you know, they were and we've had similar conversations to this, but they really hit the nail on the head. And when I was talking through it with in the meeting, you know, this RV that they want to do is pretty significant. You know, it's, you know, hey, we're going to do it for five months out of the year. The RV is going to be, you know, kind of a, it's going to be a nice RV. It's going to be what they call a diesel pusher. And, you know, those aren't necessarily inexpensive. And, you know, those things consume a fair amount of gas. And, you know, we're going to drive six, 7,000 miles a year. We're going to get about seven miles per gallon or whatever it may be. Our overnight fee is going to be $42 a night. We're going to be, you know, out five months out of the year. We're going to have $300 per month storage costs during the seven months that we are not traveling. Certainly, you're going to have maintenance, so on and so forth. And they want to do this for a while, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years. And so when that was introduced, it was very clear to me like, well, you know, hey, if this wasn't on the table, no doubt that you could retire right now. I mean, it was just, it was very clear to me, even without running the numbers. But when you have a big expense like that and a big goal, then certainly you, you do have to take the care and run the numbers. I mean, you always should run the numbers. Even if I know somebody's going to be okay financially, walking them through it and showing that to them concretely and how all the pieces and part fits together speaking from experience that's often some of the best value that people get in working with us just having that peace of mind and just really seeing it and how everything is really synthesized and how their income is going to be replaced you know once they do leave the job and they have to live on you know social security pension and everything that they've accumulated for those years so they were asking the right questions they had done a great job you know pulling everything together as far as you know what they want to do they're visualizing retirement we were going through kind of the things that 
that were important to them in terms of kind of their needs, you know, some things that are a little bit more discretionary. And, you know, if they did have to cut back, what would those be? You know, like the RV, for example, I mean, maybe it's 10 years or maybe it's 15, but a five-year differential could be, you know, lots of dollars. Uh, it could be retiring maybe six or 12 months earlier. We haven't done the plan yet. We're kind of in the process of it right now, but they were asking the exact right questions. So, you know, the whole money.com uh, survey, the one in four baby boomers postponing retirement, I think it's right. I think it's the right position to have coming into this when you have so much uncertainty. But some other things that I think, when I was kind of thinking about that, I'm like, well, what are some considerations, kind of pro or con, or what should some people be thinking about? Like I talked about before, I mean, it does start with a plan. I mean, you have to put everything together. You have to see how well-funded the plan is. You have to go ahead and just look and say, like, hey, you know, I mean, if I had a meeting yesterday and the people had about $130,000 in, in annual income in retirement, and uh, they were in their early 70s at this point, been clients for about 10 years, but it was between two good pensions and two Social Security benefits. And, you know, I don't know about you, Walter, but hey, if I got a little bit more than 10 grand a month pre-tax coming in, I mean, I can, I can feel pretty assured. I, I think it's a pretty good starting mm -hmm. point, a good foundation we to the work, retirement work house. with that. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, if you have that sort of income stream, you know, that certainly reduces the, uh, what I will call the pandemic risk, at least as it relates to your retirement and your retirement income. If, you know, you're more reliant upon assets and you don't have pensions, well, you know, obviously there's more uncertainty there. So these are things that we all have to work through, but it does start with that plan. It starts with looking at the goals, you know, how much it costs to live your lifestyle, what different changes you may have in retirement that you want to do, the needs, the wants, and the wishes. And then kind of pulling that together, stress testing your retirement plan, really measuring how productive your, your assets need to be, what kind of rate of return or hurdle rate you need to achieve, and then just tying it all together. So that's really where it starts. I mean, it always starts there. But outside of that, some other additional considerations that I was thinking of, uh, whether it makes sense to postpone retirement or not. So... Right now, you know, you're hearing some companies laying people off. You know, some of those jobs are not going to come back. If you are kind of in that position where maybe you lost your job, maybe you're collecting severance, or maybe you can opt for like an early retirement buyout or something like that, there's certainly some benefit to that. I mean, we've had clients that have gotten severance for 12, maybe even up to 18 months in some limited cases. And to be able to go ahead and retire and get your pay for like another year, even if it's six months and not have to work for it, I mean, that's that's not a bad thing. So if you're pretty close and, and financially can do it and you feel like you're ready, well, you know, hey, maybe it's just time. Or if you're not fortunate enough to, to have those kinds of benefits, I mean, there is unemployment that's there as well. And, and we'll see, you know, Congress is kind of going back and forth right now, finalizing another stimulus plan. It hasn't been done yet as we talk in on August 7th here, but something else is coming. There's going to be some additional unemployment. I remember back in 2008, 2009, we had a couple clients that were literally unemployed for like two years and uh, unemployment benefits were extended for for, for many more weeks than what was more customary. I think uh, at least each state is a little bit different, but in Ohio, it was about 26 weeks, and I think it's already extended to 52. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that. So if you've lost your job or if you have an option for like an early retirement or something like that, well, again, you got to run the numbers, but you can work in you know, some of these benefits, whether it's severance, whether it's some sort of buyout offer, 
or even just you know plain old unemployment benefits until they run out and, and incorporate that as an income stream. And again, maybe that helps add a little bit more safety margin to your plan. And if you already have a well-funded plan, well, you know, there you go. And you don't necessarily need to go ahead and pursue additional work. The other thing I've heard a few people say is, well, hey, you know, this whole COVID thing, I mean, you can't really travel or go have fun anyway. I might as well just keep working. I'm working from home and I'm just going to keep doing that. So, <laughs> you know, Walter, I mean, I know you're working from home right now, as am I. And uh, travel, if you're lucky enough, I guess, to be able to get the RV or, or to get a boat or what have you. I mean, there's certainly some things you can do, but it's 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 not like it was kind of pre-COVID. And so in uh, we have a lot of clients that, you know, when we're meeting with them and we see their cash is like higher than what we're projecting in retirement. And they're like, well, yeah, you know, we had to cancel this trip and we had to cancel that trip. And so, you know, if you can't really go out and do the, some of the things that you were looking forward to do, then maybe it just makes sense to keep working. So that's that's something else I think you need to to think of. Healthcare is always a concern for anybody that's working and and you know making that transition into retirement. You know, Medicare starts at sixty five, but obviously the longer you just stay on the employer plan, um, and if you're kind of pre Medicare, maybe you're retiring say in your early sixties. Well, you know you're potentially going to have some high healthcare costs until you get onto Medicare, but if you keep working. Obviously, you're going to kind of shorten that high cost gap may or may not be necessary. It's certainly not a reason to keep working in and of itself. It's one that I will often hear people say and express like, well, I, I just don't want to pay, you know, 15, maybe $20,000 a year for health care. And I say, I get it uh, for sure. But, you know, it's only a couple years at, at worst and you're playing. We can factor that in. We can factor in the worst case for that retirement at high cost you know, healthcare spent for those few years and you're still okay. So you, you still want to start with a plan, but, um, in just being pragmatic, I mean, it's often, even though people can afford to pay for it, I've often found that people will just keep working a little bit longer so they don't have to pay for it. And, uh, it's, it's just the way that we are kind of two more that I'll, I'll make a point on, but, uh, pension lump sum. So we, we did a whole episode on this a uh, few months back and pension lump sums are certainly higher this year. Where we are here now in August, they're looking to be higher even next year. So, you know, we have some clients that have pretty sizable pensions and uh, they do have a lump sum option that's available on it. They don't have to have a lump sum option that's on it. In fact, the employer can take that away. They're just promising to pay you a monthly benefit for as long as you live. And because the, the interest rates are a lot lower this year, which makes the inverse relationship for the lump sum a lot higher, I'm seeing some employers and some different uh, kind of employee benefits uh, periodicals talk about, well, hey, maybe we should strategically remove this lump sum, at least for a while, so we don't have to fund these things to a much higher degree, just given the higher amounts that are currently available. So the lump sum timing is important, but just remember that it's not a guarantee. I mean, the company can take that away at any time and just offer you the monthly amount. But at least as it stands here now in 2020, the lump sums are definitely higher this year than last year. We had a client earlier this year. I mean, it went up by a few hundred thousand dollars, pretty sizable benefit. It's probably going to be even higher next year uh, based on where interest rates are at this point in time relative to last year. So we'll see. It kind of depends on uh, the measurement month, and that's kind of how it works. If you're more interested in that, you can always go back and listen to that pension lump sum podcast we did. And then fact, uh, I guess finally, 
call it like a YOLO factor. You know, you only live once if, if you can afford it. And uh, if you have things that you can do to, to ha- find happiness and enjoyment and or you're experiencing burnout or just aren't happy or lost your passion at work, then, you know, I mean, why are you going to keep working? I mean, if you can, if your retirement plan is well-funded, if you can meet your goals to with a very high degree of confidence, if you need a low rate of return, if you have a high safety margin, you know, we're going to get through this. You know, we are in an uncertain period for sure. But we're going to get through this. And, you know, if you need a relatively low rate of return, have a high safety margin and you're just ready, then, you know, again, you only live once, at least as far as I'm aware. I can't remember anything from any prior lives. I don't know about you, Walter. But so I think those are some of the things you think about. You know, when we when Mark and Linda came in, that was our first concern that they had. You know, hey, we <laughs> when do we do this? And you know, what about this pandemic? And so, again, it all starts with a plan. I think that is the right question to ask. I think they asked exactly the right question. And I don't have the answer yet because we're going through the planning process for them. But, you know, it comes back to those needs, to those wants, those wishes. Most people want to go ahead and maintain the lifestyle that they become accustomed to. So that's kind of, you know, rule number one. Some people want to increase it and do some things, you know, like the RV, like Mark and Linda want to do. And that's fantastic. And it's my job as an advisor to make it very clear as to whether they not only can afford to do it, but hey, if things went bad, if the market went back and you know, we had some big losses in the early years of retirement, which is really kind of the worst time to have it, you know, what is at risk, if anything, in their lifestyle, in their financial plan? You know, is that RV in that example? Is it at risk? You know, might they have to sell it sooner? You know, and and if they do, I mean, is that okay? You know, I'm not one to judge that. It's their plan. It's what they value and what they find important. But it's my job to do a really good job to understand who they are, to go ahead and do a really good technical job on the financial plan and then explain it very clearly to show them the trade-offs so they can make an informed decision on what's right for them. All of this just really seems to come down to uncertainty, Kevin, and and just why should you postpone retirement or why are people postponing retirement? Sometimes it's not out of necessity. Sometimes it's just that uncertainty that people don't feel comfortable taking that step, pulling that lever. And that's understandable, but um, you know, do it with some some backing. I think is the thing that makes the most sense. Don't do it on just the emotional side. Uh, make sure you have the numbers to go along with that, and then you know, balance the two out and see what makes the most sense for your situation. Absolutely, because if your plan works now, when uh, you know the uncertainty lifts, then you're probably going to be more mentally prepared to pull the trigger at that point anyway. And so, you know, if you're if you're getting closer to retirement, or at least think you are. Whether it's, you know, you're maybe you're, you're not certain about how well your plan is funded. Maybe you haven't pulled everything together and don't have a cohesive strategy. I mean, the, the best defense for, for any of this is, is really having a good plan. I mean, when I mentioned the key variables that impact your plan, uh, I said work longer, save more. You could seek higher returns, spend less. But all that implies that you start with a plan. So if you have no plan, you really have no direction, or at least you really haven't committed to a direction. So it really all does start with a plan. Well, if you need some help getting that kind of plan in place, you can always reach out to Kevin at any time. The old-fashioned way, 855-TWD-PLAN is the number to call, 855-893-7526. But the easy way to do it is go to truewealthdesign.com. That's truewealthdesign.com. 
com and click on the Are We Right For You button, and you can schedule a time for a 15-minute call with an experienced financial advisor on the True Wealth team. Again, that's at truewealthdesign.com, and to make it even easier for you, we've put a link to the site in the description or the show notes section of today's show. So wherever you're listening to the program, you can access it and find it easily there. It's all at truewealthdesign.com. Well, Kevin, thank you for the help and the guidance on today's show. Good catching up with you about some of these things, and nice to hear the story about some podcast listeners who were able to get some help with you over the last couple of weeks as well. That's fantastic, and uh, looking forward to talking with you again on the next episode. Yeah, my pleasure, Walter. Always good to talk with you, and always good to do our best and try to help some people. You got it. We'll talk to you next time. That's Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt, and we'll talk to you next time right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.